Good morning, everyone. This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. Before I get to the news today, how about a little on this day in history? And we're just going to be focusing on one big event for our nation. On December 7th, 1941, Japanese planes attacked the United States Naval Base at Pearl Harbor External Hawaii Territory, killing more than 2,300 Americans. The USS Arizona was completely destroyed and the USS Oklahoma capsized. A total of 12 ships sank or were beached in the attack and nine additional vessels were damaged. More than 160 aircraft were destroyed and more than 150 others damaged. A hurried dispatch from the ranking United States Naval Officer in Pearl Harbor, Admiral Husband Edward Kimmel, Commander-in-Chief of the United States Pacific Fleet to all major Navy commands and fleet units, provided the first official word of the attack at the ill-prepared Pearl Harbor base. It simply said, Air Raid on Pearl Harbor X, this is not a drill. The following day, in address to a joint session of Congress, President Franklin Roosevelt called December 7, 1941, a date that will live in infamy. Congress then declared war on Japan, abandoning the nation's isolationism policy and ushering the United States into World War II. Within days, Japan's allies, Germany and Italy, declared war on the United States, and the country began a rapid transition to a wartime economy by building up armaments in support of military campaigns in the Pacific, North Africa, and Europe. So, there you go. A little history for you guys on this Wednesday morning again for December 7th. That was 1941. Let's get to the news, and let's start off with this. Vladimir Putin bans all LGBT propaganda in far-reaching move. Russian President Vladimir Putin signed legislation banning all LGBT propaganda on Sunday, according to Russian media. The far-reaching bill prohibits the creation or sharing of content depicting non-traditional sexual relations, gender reassignment, and pedophilia in a positive light, according to state-run media. The law reportedly extends to social media platforms as well as mass media like films, and advertisement. The law also has a provision pertaining to minors and empowers a country's media watchdog to implement systems preventing minors from viewing such content. The law went into effect the same day as it was signed on Sunday. Putin has long waged a political war against the LGBT movement in Russia, and his allies in the past cited the movement's success in the U.S. as an excuse for expansive actions. State Duma Chairman Vyacheslav Volodin, who authored the bill, authored the bill that is, cited trends in the U.S. and Europe as a reason to pass it in November. Quote, he cited data from opinion polls according to which 16% of Europeans aged 14 to 29 identify themselves as LGBT, the Duma reported at the time. And in the U.S. state of Maryland, the number of students who have not decided on their gender due to the promotion of non-traditional relationships has grown almost six times in two years and today makes up 45% of all students in the state, end quote. The Duma did not cite where it received the polls and it was not immediately clear if the polls are in fact accurate, though uh, part of me wonders if they're not true, if they're, they're true or not. Violations of the new law are mostly punished with fines ranging from $800 for citizens infringing on the lowest tier to $160,000 for legal entities that infringe on the highest tier, which is pedophilia. Now, moving on to our stellar economy. U.S. trade deficit rises 5.4% to four-month high. The nation's trade deficit widened 5.4% in October to a four-month high of $78.2 billion, 
data from the Commerce Department showed Tuesday. This was lower than expected. Economists had forecast the deficit would rise to around $80 billion. The October increase in the goods and services deficit reflected an increase in the goods deficit of $6.1 billion to $99.6 billion and an increase in the services surplus of $2.1 billion to $21.4 billion. The U.S. is typically a net exporter of services to the rest of the world and an importer of goods. So far this year, the goods and services deficit is up $136.9 billion, or 19.9% from the same period in 2021. Exports increased $415.3 billion, or 19.8%. Imports increased $552.2 billion, or 19.8%. Economic weakness around the globe, particularly in Europe, has softened demand for U.S. energy imports, including natural gas and petroleum products. Crude oil exports, however, grew by $1.6 billion. The numbers are not adjusted for inflation, so the declines also reflect the recent weakening of the dollar against many other currencies. Exports of consumer goods were also lower, led by decline in pharmaceuticals due to lower demand for drugs to treat or prevent infection of China's coronavirus. The U.S. spent more on imported cars and pharmaceuticals. Imports of cell phones, toys, games, and sports equipment slipped lower. Let's check in on our southern border. ICE is massively misreporting how many illegal immigrants are being released with GPS trackers. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, is significantly misreporting the number of illegal immigrants released into the country with GPS tracking technology by nearly 600%, according to an internal document exclusively attained by the Daily Caller News Foundation. ICE disclosed privately to participants of a closed-door event about the agency's alternatives to detention. Thursday, attended by ICE Director Tay Johnson along with several agency officials and nonprofits. That 8,118 illegal immigrants are monitored with GPS tracking through the program as of November 14th. Publicly, however, ICE says on its website that 56,805 illegal immigrants are monitored by GPS as of November 19th. Former ICE Chief of Staff John Fear, who now serves as Director of Investigations at the Center for Immigration Studies, or CIS, believes that Biden administration is seeking to appease groups who have fought ICE detention, such as the American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, which was listed as an attendee at Thursday's event. The ACLU has a campaign on its website titled Shut Down the ICE Detention Machine, which encourages the public to email Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to urge ICE against any new detention contracts. The ACLU didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. The program was given to the Thursday events attendees also showed that ICE underreported illegal immigrants without tracking technology by more than 18,000% as previously reported by the DCNF. ICE disclosed to the attendees that as of November 14th, there are 49,459 illegal aliens that aren't monitored with any tracking equipment, while its own website says as of November 19th, there are 266. The Biden administration continues to see record numbers of migrants illegally cross the southern border with the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, CBP, encountering over 2.3 million in its fiscal year 2022 and more than 230,000 in October. Hey, do you need to move away from the southern border? Well, now's the time to talk to our friends at Story Real Estate. Home, it's where you build your legacy, where traditions are started, 
and seeds are planted, meals are shared, and stories are told. Home is where you prepare to go out into the world. Finding the home that's perfect for your family, that's a big job. Story Real Estate is Moscow's top real estate team. They give people real estate advice all over the country. Family homes, investments, land, new construction, or commercial, they know real estate. If you've thought about a move to Moscow or anywhere in the country, reach out to get connected with a Story Real Estate agent. Wherever you're going, and they can help guide you home. Visit storyrealestate.com for more information. That's storyrealestate.com. Now, how about a word from our friends across the pond? UK government approves climate lockdown trials for 2024. Residents would be confined to their local neighborhood and would not be able to leave unless they requested permission from the government. As part of the climate lockdown plan, the 15-minute cities would place electronic gates on key roads in and out of the city so the government would be instantly alerted by anyone trying to leave. Those who request permission to leave their city would be profiled by the government, which would make a decision on whether to let that person out. Under the new scheme, residents would be permitted to leave their zone of maximum 100 days per year, according to reports. However, every resident must register their car details with the government, enabling them to be tracked via smart cameras around the city. As Vision News reported, Oxfordshire County Council, which is run by Labour, the Liberal Democrats, and the Green Party, secretly decided to divide up the city of Oxford into six 15-minute districts in 2021, soon after they were elected in office. None of the councillors declared their intention of imprisoning local residents in their manifestos, of course, preferring to make vague claims about how they will improve the environment instead. Every resident will be required to register their car with the county council, which will then monitor how many times they leave their district via number plate recognition cameras. And don't think you can beat the system if you're a two-car household. Those two cars will be counted as one, meaning you will have to divide up the journeys between yourselves. Two cars, 50 journeys each, or three cars, 33 journeys each, and so on. Under the new rules, your social life becomes irrelevant by de facto. Councils dictate how many times per year you can see your friends and family. You'll be stopped from fraternizing with anyone outside your district. And if you want a long-distance relationship in the future, forget it. You're confined to dating only those within a 15-minute walk of your house. A single person's life will be at the mercy of communists in the central office, dictating the same draconian rules we had to avert the last crisis. A mild flu virus so deadly, 80% of people didn't even know they had it. An entirely new social structure is being imposed on Oxford's residents and more cities are to follow under the lie of saving the planet. But what it really is is a plan for command and control. There will be permits, penalties, and even more ubiquitous surveillance. Council officials will determine where and when you can go and how often, and will log every time you do. 15-minute cities or 15-minute prisons. According to an article on the World Economic Forum's website, 15-minute cities are a powerful tool for action. The obvious yet incomplete answer is the pandemic. Would Paris's mayor Anne Hidalgo have pushed for progressive urban design without this framing? Undoubtedly. But with COVID-19 and its variants keeping everyone home or closer to home than usual, the 15-minute city went from a nice-to-have to a rallying cry. Meeting all of one's needs within a walking, biking, or transit distance was suddenly a matter of life and death. The pandemic created an urgency around equitable urbanism that sidelined arguments about bike lanes and other amenities that have roiled communities for years. Such calls for draconian measures 
to fight climate change are nothing new. In November 2020, the Red Cross declared climate change is a more significant threat than COVID, saying it should be confronted with the same urgency. Meanwhile, Bill Gates to manage dramatic measures to stop climate change, arguing it will be worse than the pandemic. Former governor of the Bank of England, Mark Carney, said that climate deaths would dwarf those of the pandemic. So what's the solution? More lockdowns. Politicians and government know that fear helps the public to accept dramatic curtailing of freedoms, especially with vague promises of safety. The COVID lockdowns proved this. So now power-hungry bureaucrats can utilize the precedents for more comprehensive lockdowns in the future. And finally, how about a word from the Republic of California? California English teacher says proper grammar is white supremacist and refuses to teach it. A California high school English teacher claimed that she undermines white supremacy in her classroom by educating students about the overemphasis placed on writing rules and grammar usage. According to Fox News, as a tenured English teacher at Oroville High School, Marta Schaefer began this school year by teaching parts of linguistics as a way of finding white supremacy in my classes. She posted on TikTok that her goal was to be inclusive of all kinds of ways we use the language. As an educator, I am constantly worried if I am part of the problem. What do I mean by that? Well, public education is an institution that upholds lots of problematic systems in our society, like white supremacy and misogyny and colonization, etc. In my role as an educator, I try to undermine that BS in my classroom as much as I possibly can. I teach high school English and whoo, the white supremacy runs deep. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at how we write essays. Start with an introduction that includes a thesis. Always cite your sources. Use transition words like however and therefore. These are all made up rules. They're arbitrary. They were created by Westerners in power. In linguistic justice, April Baker Bell calls this the language of respectability or the language of power. Which got me thinking, what if I started my school year with a unit honoring how we talk rather than teaching students how to write properly? So this is the start of my series on teaching linguistics in high school. Schaefer said in another video obtained by the outlet that a student's codes, how they speak at home or with friends, is just as important, if not more than important, than a boss's expectations of how their employees communicate. Just because your teachers, your professors, and your boss may expect you to write and speak in a certain way that may not be natural to you does not mean that you're more natural. Languages are not important. They are just as important, if not more important, than the language of respectability, she said. Schaefer also said that she feels like a cringe white lady when teaching students of color about linguistics. Hey, something we can both agree on, Mrs. Miss Schaefer. You are indeed a cringe white lady. This has been your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership or sign up for a magazine subscription, you can do that at FightLaughFeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to become a corporate partner of Cross-Politic, you know what to do. Email me at garrison at FightLaughFeast.com. For Cross-Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day, and Lord bless.